This is the Horse Radio Network. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and a special guest will share everything you need to know about the most Christmas horse show there is, Olympia in London. This week, we talk about natural horsemanship and English disciplines and recap our own highs and lows for the year. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Magazine, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Sally Spickard. I'm Jessica Payne, and welcome to episode 38 of Heels Down Happy Hour. How's it going, hey, guys? Hello. Getting in the Christmas spirit? I can't believe it's, like, coming up so fast. I feel like I haven't done enough shopping. I know. <laughs> totally. My story of my life. <laughs> I can't believe this is our last episode of the year. Yeah. I know. It went by so fast. The next time we're all together, it'll be 2019. Holy moly. I know. Think about a year ago, I was, like, eight and a half, nine months pregnant. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How things changed. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, well, this episode is brought to you all by EcoGold and we are all big, huge fans of EcoGold here. They are making awesome Christmas gift, hint, hint. Um, and there's so many different things you can choose from and it's, you know, it's EcoGold is very stylish, but most importantly, it makes sure that your saddle is fitting your horse the best and provides a lot of support. Uh, for your horse, whether or not it's sensitive or needs a little bit of help with your saddle slipping or anything like that. So you can shop for your EcoGold supplies at ecogold.ca. So guys, we have a really special drink for you from the UK, since we have a very special guest who is also from the UK, who's going to be on the show in just a little bit. It's mold wine. Have you guys ever had mold wine? No. I've heard of it, but I've never tried it. So I think it is a bigger deal in Europe than it is here. And when I think of it... Uh, no offense, I'm sure it's delicious, but I think of my my grandma who used to make mold wine. But so what you do is you pour red wine into a large sauce saucepan and you heat it up. You can add different types of uh, spices and and fruits like a clementine, cinnamon stick, uh, dried figs, cloves, black peppercorns. It's very like cinnamon spicy, and you heat it very gently until it's simmering. Then you turn off the heat. Then you fish out all the spices and peppercorns with a spoon and stir it, stir in brandy. So it has a little bit of a oh, kick yeah. to it. Oh. And so it's a nice hot drink. Great for the wet, like cold weather time. It's a great holiday drink. Um, and I bet that people who are, I bet people are drinking it right now at the Olympia horse show, right? In London. Probably. Oh yeah. Which I'm excited to talk more about here shortly. Well, why don't we roll into news? Uh, Jess, do you want to start us off? What do you got? I will. So I'm so excited to tell you guys. Um, So at the USCA convention, they announced that there is going to be a 2019 new USCA president elect, and that is Max Corcoran. And really, really excited for her. She's awesome. And when they interviewed her, this is what my favorite part is. This is how much I love Max. And so they said, she's like, when they came up and asked her, I guess she was like at Millbrook and there, she's carrying like a bag of ice to go get cocktails at 4.30, like to go make cocktails with other grooms. <laughs> of course. And they're like, she so, fit right in here. <laughs> and it great. And so they're like, well, Max, we're just wondering, like, you know, we're really thinking about a new president, like blah, blah, blah. We'd really like you to come in, blah, blah, blah. She goes, 
you do know I'm a groom. It's 4.30 and I'm taking this ice to go make cocktails. Like, <laughs> I don't think you want me to be the, what you're saying. And they're like, no, no, that's exactly why we want you. And so <laughs> that's long story short, she is. And I'm really excited because she does such a great job at a lot of events, not only just grooming, but she did a lot at Jockey Club um, as like an organizer, manager type person. And so I'm really looking forward to what she can do in the future. That's super exciting. Yeah. Justine, what do you have for us? So uh, last week, the USHJA convention was here where I live in Tampa Bay. So it was very convenient for me to attend. Um, and so this is the second like discipline-specific organization annual meeting that I've been to. And it it was fun. It was It's like really cool to get an you know, inside look on rules that could change or hot topics that, you know, officials are really taking on for the next year. And I, um, I was actually really surprised at how often amateurs came up in the discussion. Um, I'm sure it's no surprise to you guys that adult amateurs make up like a really large portion of the US HDA membership. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of amateurs ride the hunters or ride the, you know, lower level jumpers, that kind of thing. Uh, so there was a lot of talk about how to better serve amateurs going forward, which I think is obviously relevant to me as an amateur rider, but really interesting to see, you know, kind of the tides change. Mm-hmm. But they also had some really interesting rule change discussions while I was there. Uh, we wrote a story on the Heels Down Mag website about them, about USHAA considering banning cell phones from horse shows. Did you guys oh, see yeah. this? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Did you not? Doug had a huge thing. He freaked out on social I media. Saw. <laughs> I saw panic mode set in hardcore for Douglas Payne if that they were going to ban cell phones from him. Oh my gosh. It was so funny when I saw that because he posted it like right in the morning and I was like, wow, Doug must read the brief, our email newsletter, because <laughs> he got it first in the morning. <laughs> But yeah, so it was really it was a really interesting discussion. Uh, the board voted, and nothing has changed yet because the USCF would have to approve it anyway. But what they were talking about is they wanted to change the rules specifically for when you're on a horse. So obviously, the way the rules stand now is you can have a phone on you when you're like in the show ring, but they want to add, and then you also can't have one in specifically a warm up ring. But they wanted, so they were like looking at what would be the next step for that. They that they're starting to see safety concerns where someone's on their phone and they're like walking their horse through the warm up, and then they could cause a crash or yeah. their horse spooks and they're not paying attention. Well, uh, there have been a couple really bad accidents, I guess, like due to um, cell phone related incidences. So, like, I am not as much on the bandwagon as cell phones with Douglas, even though I do love my cell phone. But um, I do understand that there it really is. A safety concern and that's where they're going about it and so oh, totally. it is it is that I mean, kind of thing the warm-up ring is already insane enough without yeah. adding like texting you know what i mean so so i get it and but i also understand doug's point in that you know he's a professional he's managing multiple horses at a horse show i assume he needs to be texting grooms you know keeping well, up what's going on the ring you know that's what i think a lot of people misunderstood was for eventing, you have times, like, you know, exactly when every horse goes, but a lot of eventers don't realize that, um, when you're at a jumper show, we have hunters, we have jumpers, we have everything. And so a lot of times, like you think that, you know, the order of go is definitely going to be X, Y, and Z. Well, it ends up being like X, 
W, like it goes all over the place, you know? So totally. a lot of the rings will end up getting held. And then it turns out that our hunter is going to go way earlier than we thought. So then you're having to call back to the barns and be mm-hmm. like, Hey, false alarm. Simon goes next. It's not Marshall, you know, right. so the girls are always back at the barn. And a lot of times the barn is far from the arena. So it's not like right. you can just like yell over and be like, Hey, guess what? False alarm. Like, mm-hmm. so that's when we, you do need your cell phones. And a lot of times like, he'll go over to check on a ring and it ends up being earlier and he has to call me and be like, get over here. Like we need to jump now because a lot of people also don't know, like in jumpers, like you have to have your own jump. Like you can't just like share in the jumper world. So mm-hmm. if right. I'm not in the warm up because I'm at the bar and thinking he still has 45 minutes, he has to call and be like, get over here. And I like, you know, drive the golf cart full speed to get to the ring. So right, it is kind of that. So, I, I mean, I do, like you said, see so both sides of it. So the other yeah. in- interesting part out of the meeting was um, a- another rule that was kind of cool that we we talked about in the brief, too, was there was uh, a contingent of people who really stuck up for burgundy plum maroon colored jackets because uh, there was a rule change for both the Eck and the Hunters that would limit the type of colors only Color. for like the traditional hunter green, gray, black, navy blue, that kind of thing. But there were there was a contingent of people who were like, this is stupid. Let people wear a maroon jacket if they <laughs> yeah. want to. So I think we're far away in the hunters from that ha- ever happening. But it was kind of cool <laughs> to see that. Like maybe one day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but what about you, Sally? So I found this really funny uh, tradition, speaking of London things, since we're kind of having a London episode, um, kind of in Greenwich Park, where the equestrian for the London Olympics took place, there was this race, and I guess it happens every year. Um, it's a charity race, but basically people dress up in horse costumes, like literal horse costumes with the legs. And then I don't know, I think there's two people in it. And one's like bent over to be that the back legs and one standing up to be the front legs. And so all these people dress up in these ridiculous horse costumes and they run from pub to pub. It's like a bar crawl and they do six pit stops at different pubs and they raise money for charity. And I guess I'm guessing they have to stay in costume the entire time, which is pretty fantastic. Um, But there's one that's like like a Harry Potter horse. It's really adorable. And then there's like a hot one. There's a Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. I love that. I know. I love it. It's like the most, like, this is something that I would actually do, I feel like. And it's in the middle of the winter. So, you know, it's a good way to stay warm. But they have these pictures of these people in these horse costumes, like throwing back shots at the bar. Oh my gosh. gosh. That's amazing. It's pretty ridiculous, but it's for a, um, it's for against, uh, I'm sorry, to support the fight against youth cancer. And so it's a very good cause and it's a really good fun time. It looks like. So I think that if we ever make it over to London for Olympia, we should add this to our list. Absolutely. Uh, but you guys can find all sorts of news just like this in our weekday email newsletter. It's called the Heels Down Brief. Um, it's free to subscribe, and we love our subscribers. In fact, we always try to do things like giveaways. We just had a fun giveaway a couple weeks ago with some fun dreamers and schemers boot socks. So there's a lot of different things you can find, humor, tidbits from shows like Olympia, and stuff you really can't find anywhere else. So you can subscribe for free at bit.ly slash hdbrief. So I wanted to, I know we've talked about this product many times this uh, last few episodes, but we wanted to kind of take a little bit of a deeper dive into ARC Equine. So ARC Equine is one of our 
supporters for this episode, and they've been so generous that they've we've been trying the the unit on our horses. And I just, you know, I I obviously don't have a horse right now, but I just spent spent a week in Arizona to help out with the Laney Ashker Clinic, and my best friend had purchased an art equine unit at Kentucky this year, and she uses it every single day on her horse. This is a wearable therapy device that uses microcurrent technology to kind of encourage the horse's body to heal itself. Um, and so basically what it does is it, excuse me, it kind of increases the production of what's called ATP or added, ad, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this, adenosine triphosphate. Um, and basically it's a molecule that allows for the cells and the tissue within the body to kind of heal themselves. So it's a very natural drug-free way to, you know, treat soft tissue injuries, cuts, soreness, and just for daily maintenance. One of the biggest things that I found when my friend started using this on her horses, what was her horses tended to be a little bit back sore and, you know, she'd had her saddles fitted and, and everything was, was checking out fine, but they were just a little bit sensitive. And as soon as she started to use this ARC equine, they recommend using it for three hours a day. Um, but you don't have to stand there. It basically just wraps around the horse's cannon bone. Um, and then she puts like a polo wrap over it to hold it in place. And then the, the horse can just kind of chill out in its stall, which is really nice. Um, but anyway, she started using this and the back soreness completely gone. She sent me a video of her doing, you know, kind of a test along the spine to see if the horse's back dropped a little bit. Nothing. It's wow. crazy. So it's just, you know, for things like that, just little things like maintenance, like I said, she uses it every day, but there's also been a lot of case studies where they show actual, you know, soft tissue injuries, big cuts. Um, the, the healing process has been kind of sped up. So, and I know Justine, you got to kind of test it out a little bit too. So I'm curious to know your, your impression on how easy it was to use and so on. So forth. Yeah. So I met Lexi who works with us at Heels Down Meg. She's a designer at her barn and got to meet her pretty thoroughbred mare, Sham, and we tried it on her. And I just thought it was so cool, like how easy it is to use. Because sometimes, yeah. you know, like we've tried other products that fit, they don't use the same technology, but sometimes they can be like big and bulky and you got to like, there's some education to learn how to use them. This is very simple. It's mm -hmm. literally this small unit that fits in the palm of your hand. There's some gel that you put on the pads before you put it on your horse's leg, but it's super easy to put on. Like, even if you had a sensitive horse where, you know, they might be unsure of it, like this would never give you a problem. It's just mm -hmm. so easy to use. That's what I liked about it. And yeah. I just, I think it's amazing. It's almost like magic, but it is science that, <laughs> you know, you put it on this, your horse's leg, you hit the button and turn it on. And then it's really, it's treating problems all throughout their body. It, like you yeah. don't have to move the unit, which I think is really convenient. That's really interesting. That's yeah. the yeah. part that I was like, totally. So I'm just listening to you guys. Cause I actually don't know much about the um, product or I've only heard of it. Like I've had a couple of friends that swear by it and stuff, but I don't really know much about it. So that's why I'm trying to like picture what you guys are talking about mm -hmm. is you know, Sally's talking about back pain and then the cannon bone. And I'm like, wait, I'm really confused. Like, <laughs> so you just there. put this one. So I'm just going to clarify. You just put the little handhold thing that's on your palm on the cannon bone with like a little bit of a pad. Your friend polar wraps it so it stays in place, but it works over the whole body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it has, it has that's straps. Incredible. Like you could yeah. wrap it to, to their leg, but if you want to keep it more firmly in place, you can you use a polar wrap or something, but yeah. But you don't it, need to move it to the site no. where you're thinking there's some no. sort of pain. No, All it needs is contact to the body to transmit the microcurrent tech throughout, throughout the whole body, the whole which, body. Is, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Cool. 
It's so this arc equine has been huge in the UK. Um, and they, they, they have a lot of professional writers that they are endorsing, um, this product. And so they actually have a whole, it's called the arc family and they actually have products for people too. They just haven't, it's not been launched here in the U S on that end yet. Um, so they're just starting to kind of come over here and it's been kind of a big deal because everybody's really excited that they can get it. The other yeah. thing too is that this thing doesn't even cost $500. It's like $499. And it's so when you compare that to the cost of some other therapy devices out there that go into I can the tell you, I can tell you, you know what I mean? not that cheap. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what I'm thinking about. Like we have, you know, with us, we use a lot of different therapies that we use, like you know, their plate. We've got an ultrasound. We've got like everything you're talking about, yep. but all of these things, I mean, yes, the therapy plate they stand in and it works the whole body. And I do love that, but this is something that's truly interesting to me because yep. the other thing, like the ultrasound machine or whatever else, like you have to put it on the point where you're thinking there's a problem. Right, so right. I love this idea that it's going to do their whole body. Yeah. Yes, it's three hours, but in turn, like but you, you don't have stick to stand the stall, there. You don't have to stand there. Exactly. Yeah, you don't have to hold them. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's just super easy. Um, there's a lot more you guys. later. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you should. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, gifts. I was a big fan. Exactly. I was a big fan as soon as I kind of learned a little bit more. And now that I've been able to see it work, um, I'm definitely a believer. But you guys can, there's so much information on their website. You guys can find case studies yeah. and science and that sort of thing. So you can visit arcequineusa.com and you can learn all about it and order one for yourself. All right, guys. So we have a really special guest uh, on our show today, and we couldn't really be talking about the Olympia Horse Show without her. But uh, please help me welcome Victoria Goff, or you might know her as from her maiden name, Victoria Spicer. She's the press secretary of Hickstead, and she's also a, a regular contributor to Hillsdown Mag. So I'm sure you've read many of her columns. Victoria is based in the UK and she rides her own chestnut mare OTTB named Rosie, and she's a new mom. So hi, Victoria. Hi, guys. Thanks Hello. so much for coming on the show. Oh, and it's great to be back. So I know you are at Olympia right now. And I know Jess and Sally, like we've been talking about this while we watched the dressage last night and just want to get up to speed on what's going on. So I want to let them take over and ask some questions. Yeah, I thought that this new Grand Prix dressage that they have, it's like the shorter test. I don't know if you got to see any of it last night, but I thought the coolest thing was how they do the the score reveal on the on the jumbotron and they have to show the writer's reaction on the big screen so i don't know if you have any thoughts on that but i think it's kind of a interesting way that they're trying to make dressage more more popular or fan friendly i guess is kind of the goal right yeah definitely and it certainly made it much more exciting and accessible if you're if you're not a massive fan of dressage you know you actually saw um what the riders were um thinking when the scores went up you saw pictures of the judges so the riders knew which judge to uh <laughs> to either uh, buy a <laughs> nice. cup of coffee for or chase them down um and um you know one of one of the riders charlotte dujardin said that she felt she was like on Strictly Come Dancing um, or Dancing with the Stars, as you guys call it, um, and, you know, waiting for that score reveal and, and the cameras trained on your face to check every reaction. So it's, it's definitely something a bit different for dressage. And I do think it, it was a good thing for the sport. See, now what they need is like a mean judge, like a Simon Cowell, who yeah. does like, the, OK, I liked your half pass but your pirouette was abysmal or something like that you know? <laughs> they definitely do yeah they need and, that uh, and maybe one that suddenly starts demonstrating what they should have done in dressage form on their feet I think that would have been quite cool that's awesome <laughs> you know, so I have a question so I saw um 
on there that like they do a lot of pony races and everything on it. So it's not just a dressage. Like I know there's the FEI's dressage and show jumping and everything, but they, and it's a big kind of indoor arena. Tell us a little bit about it. Like, cause for the people that are listening that don't know much about Olympia, it seems like a really cool horse show that kind of has a little bit of everything. Oh, definitely. I mean, a bit of everything is exactly right. So um, as you say, they've got the Shetland Pony Grand National and they've got showing classes with native ponies. They have proper international event- events and dressage, uh, show jumping and driving. And uh, and then they have like all these crazy displays where they um, just have horses doing incredible things, sometimes jumping through fire. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's a really fun one to watch. And yeah. people people come out from like everywhere, right? Like they come from in the city, they come from like the country and it's just become, I mean, this horse show has been going on for years. So is it just become like a staple that everybody likes to go around Christmas time? Yeah, definitely. It's like, I mean, lots of people that go to badminton in may will be uh, heading down to london and funnily enough they still wear the same thing so it's all like <laughs> um, tweed jackets and uh, and they get some funny looks in london with all the commuters in their suits and <laughs> all the horsey brigade come and uh, yeah so the shopping's really good as well so yeah people come from miles around and it's a real like date in the calendar before christmas you've got to go to olympia well and they have like every like I'm seeing driving on the schedule. I'm seeing the show jumping. The I mean, they have literally just about anything that a horse person would want to see, which is kind of cool. Yeah, Do you definitely. have a favorite that you always um, like to see? <laughs> I have to see the Christmas finale just once every year at Olympia. There's been years when I've gone to every single day of the show from the first day to the last day, and I'm getting home at midnight for six days in a row, <laughs> by which time I've seen the finale twice a day. And <laughs> And by that time, I'm happy never to see it again in my life. But actually, <laughs> it doesn't feel like Christmas until all the ponies come out and then Father Christmas and he comes out in a horse-drawn sleigh and and there's always snow falling from the ceiling and it's just really magical and everybody sings um, the first Noel. So it's properly festive. And that's what I was going to say. Like, what makes this different? Because we talk about like all these different horse shows. You mentioned badminton, and then you've got the Grand Prix Longines shows that go to a bunch of big cities. Is it just the Christmas spirit, or what kind of makes this so different and make it such a staple that everybody has to go to? It's properly in the centre of London. You know, lots of these other shows, you have a big event and it's near the city, but you're travelling quite a way out. Whereas Kensington Mm. is really near the centre of London. It's uh, in the Royal Borough of Chelsea and Kensington. So there is numerous palaces around. It's uh, a very upmarket um, area of of the city. Um, There's amazing shopping around. And suddenly in this little tiny corner, you have hundreds of the world's best horses descending in their giant horse boxes and parking in this quite a small location. And uh, they unload the horses and they take the trucks off. And suddenly we, we've got riders milling around in the street. And I remember last year we were arriving at Olympia and we walked past a few of the show jumpers. I think there was Scott Brash and Ben Mayer. And they're standing there in their breeches and their long leather boots on the street corner, just getting the strangest <laughs> looks from people. <laughs> because it's not like you go into the show. It's, it's it's, you spill out onto the street and and you'll see the riders milling around. So it's really quite funny to see. So are there stables nearby or they literally are just in their horse boxes and like, that's it? They're stabled um, in the 
exhibition hall. So um, behind the um, behind the scenes, you have the main arena, which everybody sits around, and then there's a tiny warm up arena. You wouldn't believe how small it is. And when they're oh, wow. jumping one meter sixty, and <laughs> there's two wow. big jumps there. And then you have like the Christmas finale getting ready to come in. So there's just horses everywhere. And then so you go down and you can you can watch the warm up. And then beyond that, there's a stabling area. So it's a huge big indoor barn with um, yeah with loads and loads of stables. And oh my uh, gosh, yeah. But you you can only get down there with <laughs> special with credentials. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds very similar to the Royal the, in Canada, though, and it's like right you said, like in the middle of the city and everything. So it feels like it's definitely a staple that everybody. One that I feel like we should go to. We should take Justine, Sally, and I. That's what we should do one you Christmas. Should. Yeah, I think yeah. we should totally do next year. That's yeah, so cool. Trip. <laughs> <laughs> it is a really cool thing to do because obviously London's a great city, and the build up to Christmas is lots of ice rinks and beautiful lights everywhere and then suddenly you can come to a really cool horse show as well so uh, and you can go sightseeing all day and then come to the show in the evening so uh, definitely a good holiday a holiday spot because say that sounds like a great holiday like, yeah. sign <laughs> us up i'll come come and stay <laughs> perfect so this episode is also brought to you by smart pack and i'm really excited to talk to you guys soon about the eliza leather half chaps i don't know if it's just me i feel like the tides have turned and more people ride every day in their tall boots versus half chaps anymore but i am still a paddock boot and half chap person whether it's cool <laughs> or not and uh smart pack makes a really nice set of half chaps and so tune in soon because i'll be giving a full review but if you want to check them out for yourself, uh, again, it's the Eliza Leather Half Chap, and that's at smartpackequine.com. So, Victoria, while we have you here, I wanted to talk a little bit. You wrote a column for heelsdonemag.com, and I thought it was, this was a couple months ago, I thought it was really interesting because it kind of centers on the con the concept of writing without a trainer, writing on your own. And, you know, I will admit, I have always been pretty reliant on having a trainer both from a motivational standpoint and also just from a, you know, I like to have somebody kind of telling me what I'm doing wrong, which is a lot inevitably. And so I've always kind of had trouble when, you know, I was at a barn where, you know, my coach was out of town or she was at a show and it would be really hard for me to kind of get into that mindset of like, you know, writing by myself or not having a coach there. Um, and you kind of had some interesting points on on that concept. So I kind of wanted to get all of your perspective on this whole writing without an instructor or not having a trainer full time. So Victoria, I don't know what you kind of think about the whole not having a trainer thing, but I don't know if you want to kind of expand on the column for those of us who haven't <laughs> or those of our listeners who haven't actually read it yet. So around February of this year, um, I moved my horse um, from one stables to a um, lady who's actually a professional event rider, and she's ridden around badminton and Burley, so she's she's uh, much much better than me. And um, so <laughs> basically, I want and and it was quite a shock for me because I've never been based with a, a, a pro rider before, and so I wanted to write this column that reflected on all the amazing things of, you know, being able to bounce off ideas of what tack to to use, what um, feeding I should do, any chains I should make. And she had this wealth of experience, which was amazing. And there's also the downside of, you know, if I used to 
take my mare down and go in the arena and she'd bring in one of her um, three star horses and start floating around in this beautiful trot. I've never felt so in- <laughs> inferior in my life. So in some ways it's amazing. I love having somebody on hand to ask questions for, but I also am aware of the the huge gap between her, her talent and mine. And uh, whereas when you're on a stable, just filled with normal riders that you, you can kid yourself that you're semi-decent, but actually <laughs> I've decided... Um, I'm really not. So yeah, I, I and George has been great all all summer, and um, she's been on hand to help. But equally, I think she's quite aware that you know she's got her career and her horses to run, and she can't spend too much of her time and energy worrying about me and Rosie uh, <laughs> sort of hustling along at eighty centimeter levels. So there is there is definitely pros and cons to being based on a professional yard for sure. So I um. You know, like I grew up riding in a um, hunter jumper in a program with a trainer. I was with one trainer, like the bulk of my junior career. And then I went to college and rode on a college team, uh, but brought my own horse. And that was like when I started kind of riding on my own. Like I boarded out of a farm by myself and uh, kind of rode other people's horses until I could afford one again. Uh, and so most of my adult life, while well, I took lessons with professionals like intermittently at different points. Um, but I spent most of the time alone. So I had a Hanoverian mare for many years that I showed in the hunters and like the, the entire time I owned that horse, we never had a lesson. I mean, I went and showed by myself for years, just me and her and my husband in the horse trailer. And it's, it's an interesting like life lesson, I think with horses to do that by yourself. Uh, Cause it's not easy. And I definitely, there's, de- I definitely could have benefited from instruction. There's no doubt about that but there is some confidence I think that comes in in knowing like being confident in yourself and what you know like I you know I was showing in the two six hunters I wasn't you know trying to go be a professional but my mare and I did well together uh but now I have a green horse you know I have a green thoroughbred for the first year I rode basically alone without instruction and now I'm at the point kind of like with you Victoria where I've got hooked up with a trainer who I really, really like and who's making a, a huge difference in my horse and I. And I started slow where I was doing like one less than a month where I've trailered to her property. She's come to my boarding facility a couple times. But now the more we're getting better, the more I want to work with her, you know. And so now I've gone to clinics with her. I'm taking lessons once a week. I'm making plan like show plans with her. So my whole perspective has changed and it it almost feels foreign to me now having been by myself for so long and doing, doing everything on my own and then going back into a program with a trainer. Jess, do you have, do you have people, do you teach people who kind of come and go or? So, So yeah, I have both. Like I have people that will show up, you know, once every month, you know, cause that's what their schedule can allow. And then I have people that are in full training with us that are there every day and show up. And I think both works. It's kind of like what your goals are and what you kind of need to get to, you know, faster, slower, whatever else kind of thing. And what you're able to do. A lot of it is like, you know, a lot of my ladies like work all the time, so they can't mm-hmm. get to me, but every couple of weeks. And so, you know, schedules just kind of become that. And so, it kind of works in between. Like, and it's funny when you say that, cause like Doug grew up never having a coach, you know, it was just his oh, really? mom and his sister. Mm-hmm. So like, he didn't really have that whole program and everything else. And now of course, like it's a bit different, but you know, it's funny. Cause when I started helping him, he was like, not used to the consistent help. And he's like, no one's here every day. And I'm like, 
really? I would live at Jan Benny's place like every day of my life if I could afford it. And like, if I just quit my job and did nothing but live at her place, like that would be perfect. I would just go everywhere with her. And so it was the exact opposite because I'm like you, I grew up as a hunter rider and I had an instructor my whole life. So for me, I was having to get used to riding on my own a little bit, even as a professional, like I was like, Oh, I have to do this by myself. (laughs) And it's good. Like, I think in the end that balance as well, that, you know, you can, uh, we teach that like our kids can go and they can go to the ring, you know, ideally I'll be there for them, but if not, they can jump a couple fences by themselves and they don't have to have me or Doug. And I think that kind of is hard for a lot of them that are used to being kind of me always there. I'm like, Olivia, you will be okay. I promise you. So it's that kind of, like you said, once they kind of figure out they can, then it's, it's an accomplishment too. So I think the mix of a little bit in between is perfect. Like, I think that's the equal balance of it all. Well, and I think it's culturally a little different. Like Victoria, I would you say that most people kind of go and show on their own or do they show and have a trainer there at the ringside with them the whole, whole way? Yeah, most people show alone. It's very, very rare that I've ever had anyone certainly to help me warm up or anything. So yeah, whenever I compete, it's either me just on my own having uh, left my husband in charge of the baby or um, I have to find a babysitter who can also hold a horse. And <laughs> and so I go to shows with an entourage of a small child and a confused looking babysitter. So uh, uh, yeah, I'm uh, quite used to competing on my own. Um, I mean, it would be great to have a, a coach with me, but um like just completely out of my budget over here, I think you'd have to pay for the hour and pay for travel time and yeah it mm-hmm. wouldn't be feasible so yeah it is interesting well, but- culturally the difference because like yeah. at, at a hunter show here in america like if the train the kid has to go up next in the ring and the trainer is over in the other ring they just they shut Hold down the, the ring. ring and wait yeah. so they wait yep. for the trainer it it affects <laughs> the whole run of the show it's crazy wow mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, no one jumps by just, themselves. Yeah, yeah, ever. exactly. You're not allowed to in, in a lot of the cases. You know, the, the coach doesn't want you to do that on your own. And and it's just kind of like, you know, the, the coach isn't there at warm-up to warm you up or for eventing for every phase, your coach isn't there. And you just like, I've seen some people have a complete meltdown because their coach isn't there for show jumping warm-up, you know? And it's just like, I can't go in without my coach. And it's just like this culture of overcoaching almost, I feel like. In yeah, some cases. yeah. Absolutely. That's why, that's what I said, like about my experience with my mayor, like it, it took a while to get used to it, to be like, Hey, asking the, you know, the ring steward, if they could pick up a pole for me so I could jump the, the warm up jump, you know what I mean? Cause I was there by myself, which felt so weird at first, but then you get used to it. You know, you do what you got to do to right. survive almost, you know? So and- I, we wanted to kind of, with this being the last episode of the year, um, we wanted to kind of go through, and Victoria, you can play this with us too. I know you've played Rose and Thorn with us before, but we wanted to kind of look back on the whole year, which it's been a long year, so I don't know if I can remember much that's happened before like last month, but we'll try. And um, so we're going to go through and do kind of a Rose and Thorn for our 2018 with everybody. So I don't know if anybody has anything that they've thought of yet, but what do we think? I'm good to go. All right. You Jess, want me to go? You okay. I will kick us off. So for my whole year, I guess um, most of you guys know I had a baby Christmas Eve last year. So my rose would be watching Hudson almost become one years old, like just the whole process. Like 
you know, Victoria, I know, you know, having a new baby, it's exciting just watching him through all the phases of, you know, he's about to start walking and everything else. So it's, that would definitely be my rose of this year would be Hudson. And, um, my third would be, you guys are going to laugh, but I got the flu. Like our house got the flu again. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that I cannot think past like the month, but like who gets the flu, like between all of us, like eight times. Did you guys get the shot? Hudson did, but we were supposed to, but we hadn't gotten around to it. And we now have had two different, I know we talked about it and I was going to get it. And then the night before we're leaving for the Dominican, Doug has 102 fever. Ugh, that sucks. So my thorn for this entire year is that we've gotten sick more in the month of November and December than like our entire lives. <laughs> so... Does that, that just come that with having it. a baby? Is that like the territory? Victoria, do you no. have this problem yes. too? <laughs> yeah, yes. except for Doug got it in New Orleans away from Hudson and I and then gave it to him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we had the so. same thing in November. Um, <sighs> me, me and my baby Rory got ill and then we passed it on to my husband and then we got better and then he gave it back to us. So we basically were ill for the entire so, November as well. So you got you got sick twice too? Yeah, it and was this, really tedious. <laughs> I didn't even know how oh that's possible. <laughs> I had never heard of like literally giving the flu back to somebody once they had it. And I was like, thought it was a one done thing. And I experienced it like Doug and I have said, and Victoria, I'm sure you know, like we've never been thrown up on before. And like, <laughs> thrown up on more times. Exactly. And, and also people sneezing in your face, I think, oh, is a oh. new thing that only happens with babies. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Thank God. that is. <laughs> that is 100% my thorn is that I did not know you'd get sick this much in like the month of November, December was possible. Aww. So, Justine, do you have yours? Sure. So I would say my rose is probably Mikey, my horse. Uh, as you guys know, I've been like up and down with him with health issues and I was going to sell him and then I didn't. And just last week we were schooling shoulder in at the Trot and Canter and I'm like, oh my God, I have a whole new horse that like I never thought I... I never thought he would be here where he is now. And I think that's a lot of things. It's vets, it's trainers, it's me not giving up, I guess. But anyways, now like I'm really hopeful for 2019 that like we're going to be moving forward and I'm really excited. So that Mikey is my rose right now. That could change tomorrow. Who knows? But um, <laughs> my thorn would probably be, oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe that, yeah. I don't want to call it a thorn. I don't know. I'm, I'm one of those who never have like a real thorn. But as you guys know, Heels Down Mag is changing a little bit. And what we do, the podcast obviously is still here and going forward and the website's going forward. But I'm really excited to see what we're going to do next year in terms of writing stories and telling writer stories and interviewing more cool people like Victoria. But I will miss having our, our physical magazine, even though it was digital. So... So I guess maybe that's my thorn. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Sally? So my rose would probably be, I'm going to keep it work related here, but my rose would probably be all the fun things that we've gotten to do as a team. Like my partic- in particular, the, the trip to Kentucky for the three-day event, which is always kind of a pilgrimage that I make every year. I think I've gone, with the exception of last year, I think I've gone like the last 12 years or something crazy, which is the longest I've ever stuck with anything. Um, wow. But, you know, that, you know, I got to bring Cooper, my dog, this year. And um, it was just really fun. I got to see my best friend and hang out with our Heels Down team. So I just love going to Kentucky every year. And, and having the opportunity to do that for work is just kind of 
unbelievable to me still. So I'm going to use that as my rose. And then, um, you know, my thorn is, you know, probably just going to be not riding. I mean, this is one of the first years I haven't had a horse and haven't ridden um, for a long time, you know, and I've, I've had a couple other of these hiatuses before, but you know, this one was a little bit tougher for me. And, you know, I think it's a twofold thing. I was able to really focus on other parts of my life. And I, you know, I've been working out a lot. So I've never been in better shape. But, you know, it's it's always just kind of something that I miss in my life. So, you know, my goal for next year is to maybe find a way to kind of get back to it in some, some shape or form. But that's, um, you know, it's definitely not the worst thing in the world. But it has been a little tough, especially kind of being on the podcast and hearing all you guys talk about your horses. And sometimes that's a little bit tough. And, um, you know, this past weekend, I was at a clinic and got to see my old horse and he's doing great. But, you know, Lainey, who was teaching the clinic was like, was that a little tough for you to see him? I'm like, I mean, a little bit. Yeah. But knowing that he's, you know, in such a good place really helps, but definitely tough to deal with. But hopefully onwards and upwards for next year. Yeah. Come to Florida and come ride my horse. Yeah, I sure will. <laughs> What about you, Victoria? So now that we're coming to the end of 2018, I, I you know, spent the year, as I said, trying to um, ride with a small baby in tow and uh, so fitting in, looking after him and uh, working and um, trying to ride as well. And there's been times when I thought, you know, I'm not making enough progress. Three times a week isn't enough. But actually, I look back and I have made it out quite a lot of different competitions. I've been to dressage, I've been to show jumping and combined training and been to clinics and some showing classes. So I'm quite impressed that I've made it out and we've made some progress and I've been back having regular lessons with my lovely dressage trainer as well as, as Georgia. So it's actually been a really productive year despite all the challenges, shall we say. But my thorn on the same note is that my mayor has been off for two and a half weeks because she has random bruising under her tummy um, just in front of oh, the girth, wow. which the oh. vet, uh, like literally the size of um, a fist on, on either side, just in front of her girth, the vet came out after a week when it was still there and uh, and said it was, she'd either lain on her front feet or it was to do with the girth. And bearing in mind, I've had the same girth for years and it's the biggest, fluffiest, most sheep skinny, um, <laughs> like soft, gentle girth. <laughs> ever and I, I never crank it up too high because um she is quite girthy um so yes I'm spending the end of the year is on the sidelines with a pony with a ridiculous injury so oh hopefully, hopefully um she's going to get better soon and I'll be back to it so we do have a mailbag question too that I want you guys all to weigh in on from Kelly Kelly is 22 and she lives in New Jersey and she has wants us to talk about natural horsemanship certification, specifically through like Monty Roberts, but or Pirelli, like all the big names that you guys know. And she wants to know specifically, what does the modern hunter jumper eventing dressage, basically English disciplines communities think about natural horsemanship and what a certification in this subject mean anything to them? She's working on a business plan she hopes to launch next year, focused on exercise riding and grooming for all disciplines, and wondered if this would be helpful or valuable to her business. So I don't know, maybe Jess, you can start out as someone who's a professional in this area. Yeah, I think it's it's a really good thing. Like if you're trying to find a way to kind of break out and be a bit different, especially like bringing the natural horsemanship. A lot of people are doing that, bringing the natural horsemanship along into the English disciplines. And I find it pretty interesting. I know there's a couple, you know, trainers that have done that and it's just setting them something different that kind of is like, okay, there is something more to just their program of just, you know, eventing or jumping or whatever it is that it allows them 
just to be that applicable person that says, okay, hey, let's do um, some natural horsemanship along with it. And it just brings that different aspect that I think is a great thing. So I didn't even know they were doing natural horsemanship certification. So I'm really excited that, you know, people are bringing that more into it because I think it's a really good thing just, you know, get in touch with your horse and everything. Yeah, and we actually had an article um, earlier this year on HeelsDownMag.com that was um, talking a little bit about natural horsemanship. And one of the people that they we brought in as a source is Tick Maynard, and he is based in Florida. Um, he events as well, and as does his wife Sinead Halpin. But he's really into natural horsemanship, and the stuff that he has been able to do with horses is honestly pretty incredible. I know several people who have sent their horses to him for a variety of issues or whatever you want to call it. Um, and he really kind of breaks this training down into, you know, it's not about what discipline they're doing. It's about having a foundation. Um, and it's really interesting. He has a book out, um, that, that, that kind of touches on that too, but I think it's definitely has a place for sure. I think, you know, natural horsemanship gets a little bit of a bad rap because of some people that have kind of ruined it for others, which I think you can say the same about any discipline. Um, but I think it's definitely useful if you're able to do it in a credible you know, way that is you have tangible effects on your horses. I don't know, Victoria, do they have anything like that in the UK? Is that something that is popular yeah. or not really? Yeah, massively popular. Um, certainly people like Monty Roberts and Pirelli, um, there's a huge following here in the UK. There is a little bit of a, a them and us um, attitude, which, you know, it does seem to be a fairly global thing, but the more traditionalists um, are still not that, not keen on national horsemanship. But in terms of, in the UK, um, I would say that um, as long as you had a, a genuine um, experience and practical knowledge and practical qualifications, then having an, an extra string to your bow is a good thing. But I think people would still want those traditional elements as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Victoria. Not to be devil's advocate here, but there are definitely people in hunter jumper or whatever worlds that I think look at people who are really into those kind of programs, like, you know, with a sour face, which may be justified or not, you know, some people, are, I think most of it is just pe people judge what they don't know, you know, like they don't know anything about it. So it's easy to look at a picture online or a video online and, and poke holes in whatever someone is doing. But if, if it's important to you and you've seen results and you think it's kind and helps your horse, I think that's great. And that's all that should matter, not what other people think anyway. So, but from a business perspective, totally, I understand what you're saying. So guys, if you want to send us a question that you want us to answer on air, you can email us at hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Uh, and you're also welcome to record a question on your phone as an audio file and email it to us and we will play it on air. But all right, guys, this is the end of our last episode so for the sad. year. So crazy. So if you want to hear more from us, you can subscribe to the Heels Down Brief at bit.ly slash hdbrief, or you can join us on Facebook in our Facebook lounge, which is the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. Many thanks to this week's sponsors, EcoGold, Arc Equine, and Smart Pack. All right. Well, Victoria, thanks again for joining us all the way from London. And we're so excited, so excited to see more from Olympia this week. Yeah, thank you. I'm off to uh, drink some mulled wine and uh, watch some ponies. So thank you. <laughs> Yum. Sounds so great. jealous. So <laughs> jealous. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers, everybody. Cheers. cheers. 2018.